Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. He's done it again! Marcus Rashford on his Premier League debut! Aguero! Harry Kane does it again for Tottenham Hotspur! Leicester City! Leicester City are the champions of England! Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on Fenrick Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren. With me from the bustling streets of, I don't know where he is, it's Elliot Niblock. <laughs> I'm in Fort Collins at the moment. Okay, well there you go. Where is Fort Collins? Oh, it's in Colorado. It's north of okay. Denver. Actually, oh. I'm at the, uh, there's a fantastic bicycle, like, bike shop slash bar here that I'm pretty sure is the local American Outlaws hangouts. Anyway, I saw copa america match here last june when i was in town which had a great following so okay well there we go so uh from the great state of colorado this time shout out to road 34 yeah so uh with the season almost upon us teams are doing what they can to bolster their squads and psg just made the big one they signed neymar he was officially unveiled here on friday costing a staggering 200 pounds or 222 million euros million pounds yeah there's yes. not 200 pounds there's a, no. there are a few orders of magnitude there to yes add on. 200 million pounds or 222 million euros or let's just see how much it is in dollars too 200 million pounds to dollars that is two whoa 220 260 260. Oh yeah. boy, the pound is stronger than I thought it was. Yeah. So that's, you know, by far the most expand, uh, expensive transfer in, you know, soccer history. Almost, yeah. I mean, it's more than double what Manchester United paid uh, for Paul Pogba last yeah. summer. So, Although, you know, I mean, the, the boons and ills of Arsene Wenger as manager of Arsenal Football Club can be debated, but. The fact that he is an insightful man from an economic point of view when it comes to football is, I think, pretty much inarguable. And last summer, after United signed Pogba, he said, you know, the 200 million transfer is not far away. And lo and behold, here we are just a year later, and we have it. Yeah, he should have put some money on that. So he could have spent it for Arsenal's in, you know... Yeah, but I think that whole thing about him being a prudent economist also means maybe he's not so much a betting man. Yeah, he's not a gambler. No, no. So, yeah. So, uh, basically, you know, they met the buyout clause that Neymar had in his contract with Barcelona. So, he leaves Barcelona for PSG where he's, you know, undoubtedly going to be the big star. Uh, You know, Edison Cavani, sure, he's a good player, but he's not a superstar. Angel Di Maria, very good player, not a superstar. Yeah, both in the same boat. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I have a few thoughts about this. Um, I mean, on the one hand, I think that – so I'll, I'll say this first. I think that everything that he said to the press is just total bull. Like, yeah. I, I don't believe any of it. He says – 
doesn't have to do with finances, even though he got a signing bonus that is more than his annual first year's salary is going to be. Yeah. Um, I don't believe for a minute that this is about competition rather than it is about money. Like, I think that it's about money before a sporting thing, but at the same time, I, there, part of me understands it, right? Because he has been tapped as the heir to Leo Messi at Barcelona. And if he stays on and plays his whole career at Barcelona, he would win more trophies than moving to PSG. I mean, I think that's inarguable. Mm -hmm. But he would also have the increased pressure of like having that mantle of being the quote-unquote next Messi to live up to. And on top of that, I mean, you know, when LeBron James moved from Cleveland to Miami, one thing that I think was overlooked when, yeah, okay, he was moving to win championships. A lot of people decried him for leaving his hometown club. And maybe ultimately he'll end up regretting that. But nonetheless, what he said is like, look, I came straight out of high school and this is the equivalent of me moving away to college, right? Like a lot of people have this experience in their early 20s and I never had that. And part of me wanted to just move to a new place and like put down roots in a different city. And I think that there's something to be said for maybe there's something similar with Neymar going on here, right? Like, you know, I personally kind of hate Paris, but many people love it. I'm sure he'll have a great time because he's an international superstar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess I would say the long and short of it is, A, I think he's totally, you know, he, he's full of shit when he says that it's not about the money. It is. Uh, does he want a challenge? Maybe a little bit, but I think he also just kind of wants to be the prima donna at a club where he's always going to be overshadowed by Messi. And then finally, yeah, you know what? If he wants to move now, this might be the only chance, and there'll probably be knock-on moves, and he'll end up playing for a handful of different clubs before he's 31. And if he'd stayed at Barcelona, he might have been at Barcelona until he was 31, same as Leo Messi. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, though. I mean, we're looking at a guy who's in his prime. He's 25 years old. He would still be in that shadow of Messi for another couple of years. I mean, Messi, I expect him to finish out his career at Barcelona, basically. So we're talking maybe as many as five more years. I know he's not going to be a world beater for those five years, but it's still going to be, you know, sort of like... I almost want to compare it to a Francesco Totti situation where he was Roma, even though he was getting, you know, older and not as good. He was still the player that defined the club. And yeah. I think we're going to see the same thing with with Messi. So for oh, Neymar, definitely. for Neymar to become the superstar that he wants to be and to be the guy and to be in the discussion of winning you know, the best player of the world award, he needed to move. Yeah. And PSG, I mean, yeah, they they could afford to throw all that money at him. I think that that, that they would be better options for him if it was only about be becoming a superstar and winning trophies, like winning the Champions League. He could have gone somewhere else. Although they have, I mean, they've got a decent shot, right? Like, they're they're going to be a darker horse than either Real Madrid or still Barcelona, even out with Neymar. Like they'll just have to do with Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez. I think they'll manage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the thing though. I mean, I still see that there's a handful of clubs that I would predict to win before PSG. 
They still haven't proven. That's been the big thing with the Qatari owners. They came in, it's been, what, six years now since they took over. And their big aim from the beginning was like, Champions League, Champions League, Champions League. You know, and they still haven't gotten there. And, I mean, getting Neymar is definitely a big, big step in the right direction. But I still think that they're a couple of puzzle pieces away from being a legit Champions League title contender. Well, you know, I agree. I agree and disagree. I mean, I think that for good reason, as I just said, they're going to have longer odds than a handful of other teams. You also have to throw Bayern Munich in there. Like all three yeah. of those are going to be ahead of PSG. Um, you know, now that Man City has a half decent defense, assuming they can gel all of these new signings mm -hmm. into a decent back line, then maybe Manchester City, but. They, they have an outside chance, and when it's not when it's a knockout tournament as opposed to an accretion of points to win the league, right? Like I think that if PS if you threw PSG into the Premier League, then they would be a title contender, but not a clear favorite. Mm -hmm. But I think that they actually have a better chance. And you know, it's like if all of the players show up on the day that they have a knockout match, and that that just happens, then that's that's the way of playoff tournaments mm -hmm. yeah i mean and so. that's that's the thing i still would put them behind atletico madrid you think so i yeah. mean they've shown yeah, that they are good in the champions league mm -hmm. that's the thing though atletico madrid they might not be on the same level as barcelona and real madrid in the league but they've shown in the champions league that their style of play is very effective and they've gone far you know a number number of years in a row whereas yeah. psg yeah they've been good in the group stage and then it's time for the, you know, for the knockout rounds, and they're just meh. So, uh, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done, but getting Neymar obviously is a big, big step in the right direction, and I think he's going to do really well. Uh, one thing for PSG, though, is that not only do they need to be competitive in the Champions League, now they also need to retake the crown in Ligue 1 from Monaco. Yeah. So, which puts even more pressure on Neymar. Not only is he the most expensive player in the world, I mean, he's going to have to have an immediate impact. I mean, he could make his debut as early as tomorrow, Saturday. Yeah. When they play their first league game, so. I mean, it's I'm it's a signing that I'm happy to see because it was just... We've, we've made this analogy many times on this podcast, but it's just like when you have... Neymar, Suarez, and Messi leading a line, it's like playing football manager with a cheat code on. Mm -hmm. It's just like, what? How? Like, this this front three is so clearly unparalleled in world football that it almost doesn't seem fair, and yet they still weren't able to put it together. Yeah, and, uh, and that's the thing, too. I mean, now you'll, you know, if you're a, if Barcelona comes to you and your team and they're like, hey, you know, we're interested in buying player X. Like, let's say they go to Arsenal and they're like, hey, we want Alexis Sanchez. I mean, you know that they have all that money. Yeah. You, well, I mean, and, you're just going to try to milk that teat all you can. And, and the most remarkable thing is that in addition to the 200 mil, well, so, okay, 200 million pounds, what is that, like 225, 230 million euros or whatever it is. But in addition to that, they also have another 23 million euros that they were set to pay Neymar as his signing bonus mm -hmm. that now they don't have to because the terms of that bonus have been violated. Yeah. So even though he signed a new contract last year, since he's transferred prior to September, then 
they're allowed to just void that bonus. So they have essentially 250 million euros to play around. With. Yeah. I mean, that that's a lot of money. And like I said, you yeah. any team is going to try and milk that teat as much as they can. I know they're going to have to. Like, if they're looking at player in, players in Spain, they're going to have to pay the buyout clauses for those players. Oh, yeah, totally. But, but I mean, they they can. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, it, it, we'll see how this affects, you know, the world game in a, in a long-term perspective. I, I think that it, you know, might inflate prices even more. It, it could happen so that, you know, the leagues that do have the obligatory buyout clause in the contracts, we're going to see those buyout clauses go way up. And overall, I think it's, it's very negative that this move happened for the amount of money. Like just looking at it from a a purely, you know, sporting I mean, perspective, it's fine with Neymar going to PSG. I don't have an issue with it. If he wants to be the guy somewhere else, let him go. But that amount of money is just uh, it's unhealthy. Okay. Yeah, but on the one hand, I agree with you, but at the same time. I don't know. I feel similar to this when like people in the U.S. complain about baseball players' salaries, right? It's mm-hmm. like I used to love the great American pastime, but now I'm disillusioned with how much money they're making. It's like okay, but here's the thing: is that compared to the amount of revenue generated by the sport, many of the players are technically underpaid, right? For like getting a share of that. Pie. Yeah, yeah, many and of the so players. So if you, but like. Your, your problem then, and this is a whole other discussion, but like your problem seems to be with capitalism. <laughs> it's just like if you're make if what you have generates a lot of money, then there's going to be a lot of money involved. Yeah, but and, it's also a form of. I mean, this is taking it to a very extreme. So, but the Europe or the world soccer game, except for in the U.S. here, where we trade players, um, you know, you're buying and selling people. Yeah. That's basically what you. So it's a form of. No, I'm. I'm. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm gonna compare it to slavery. It is a form of. Your, like I said, your your business is selling and buying people. Well, I know they're. I I know they're getting compensated for it, and I. I, It's not. It's not like slavery. They're not slaves, but it's It's, still. You're still. Purchasing and selling human beings. For a purpose. but you're, but you're essentially you're buying contracts of employees mm-hmm. is what you're doing, yeah. right? And like this is this is why headhunters for you know hedge funds or CEOs or you know CFOs or whatever yeah. like have jobs is because they do exactly this and then they take a cut. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I mean, yeah, on the face of it, it's kind of grotesque that uh, an athlete is. You know the the chance to have an athlete playing for your team costs two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. But to to make a purely economical argument is just like well you know pounds and euros and dollars are more liquid capital than trading. So you could argue that U.S. sports are stuck in the bartering system, whereas <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah they really are they really are and I mean they used to be. I know in in hockey you used to be able to send money one way too, but uh, not anymore. So uh, yeah, it's a lot of money. We'll we'll see how it all shakes out. Hopefully, you know Barcelona will spend that money on players from smaller clubs that actually needs the money, 
and that it doesn't well, just go to another club that already has a big big bank account. So I think one of the most fascinating things for me in this whole, you know, Neymar transfer saga is that so Sky published earlier today a list of the largest buyout clauses in Europe. And I think it illustrates pretty clearly that whomever is negotiating contracts at Real Madrid is doing a far better job than Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Because the top five buy largest buyout clauses in the world are at Real Madrid. And you would expect Cristiano Ronaldo to be the largest. You know what his is? No. Almost 900 million pounds. Okay, that's just dumb. Well, but here's what's even more remarkable, is that his buyout is clause is 894. Kareem Benzema has the same buyout clause. Well, I mean, that's a high enough number, though, that no one is ever going to pay that. Well, but that's, but that's the point. And that, you know, Gareth Bale, 447. Mm -hmm. Luka Modric, also 447, same as James Rodriguez. Yeah. And then you look down, and Leo Messi is only 268. Yeah. And, you, and that's the same as Tony Cruz. Tony, you can't tell me that Tony Cruz and Leo Messi are comparable in terms of what they add to a club. No. And when we're talking about, like, the oil billions that are invested in the game from you know investors like as we've talked about Qatar at PSG, then like these numbers seem to matter less and less. And I think that it really illustrates just how weak Barcelona's contract negotiations have been. Mm -hmm. Because those numbers for Luka Modric costing more than twice as much as Neymar is absurd. Yeah. And yet or... and that's what's built into the contract. So I, I think that Barcelona were maybe, I don't know, I think that maybe they were a little bit, um, not maybe not cynical enough, you know, too naive in thinking, well, we're FC Barcelona, everybody's always going to stay, whereas Real Madrid said, we're Real Madrid, you want to pay for us, then this is going to be your buyout clause and you're going to play out your contract. Mm -hmm. So it, like that to me, it just really struck me as, you know, for, especially because in the course of the last decade, Barcelona have had only maybe only a slight upper hand but i think a definitive upper hand over real madrid for the first 15 20 years of the 21st century and yet this shows that from a negotiating standpoint real madrid still are way ahead of Barcelona. yeah yeah well i mean we'll see how everything shakes out i mean with this transfer taking place i don't feel like that 260 ish million or 260 yeah, 260 million uh, for Messi sounds that absurd. Uh, no, not at all. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the Community Shield. As that's set to kick off here during the weekend between Chelsea and Arsenal. But first, here's some fine, fine words from our sponsors. We'll be right back. And we're back here at the Premier League podcast on FanRag Sports. Sebastian and Elliot in your eardrums talking about the beautiful game. And Paulie's not with us today, but he did, you know, grace grace us with a uh, mobile hot take. So we'll play that for you guys right here, and then we'll dissect what Paulie had to say and probably give him some shit. But, you know, it's, it's all done with love. So here's what... Paul, had to say from, I'm assuming inside his car. It sounds like he's in his car. But here you have it. Here's Paulie Quistel. Hey, guys. It's Paulie, And we are getting ready. Season is almost here. We're 
pretty much ready to start. We got Super Cups all weekend long. Christian Pulisic, the baby Jesus, uh, and Dortmund taking on Bayern Saturday and Sunday. Community Shield, congratulations to Elliot for Arsenal. Going to win their second trophy of the summer before the season even starts to go along with the, uh, the Emirates Cup, which you somehow won despite not winning the most games in the tournament. Uh, not really sure how that works other than the fact that you created the tournament. Uh, now you'll get to win the Community Shield, which because Loren Koscielny will play um, because the FA deemed a friendly, not a suspension worthy after his red card in the FA Cup. Um, so I guess real trophy, not a real trophy. But let's talk about the man who deems it a real trophy and considered it part of his treble last season, Mr. Jose Mourinho. As you know with me, it always comes back to him. And getting busy in the transfer market because he somehow thinks we're now a title contender by signing Nemanja Matic, Matic, whatever it is, from Chelsea. Except there's one problem with that. One. Or there's actually more than one problem. The first one. Nemanja Matic is not the same player as he was uh, back since 2015 when Jose Mourinho ran him into the ground for Chelsea. And that's one of the reasons why Chelsea slumped to a 10th place finish the following year. They had no midfield because Matic was, he was a shell of himself because he was exhausted. And yeah, while he improved last year, still wasn't amazing. Two, Chelsea won the title last year. Now they've actually went out and bolstered their midfield even more. They have N'Golo Conte, who does the running of three people. They went out and signed Bobiyako. And they deemed Nemanja Matic surplus to requirements. He can't really help us. So by going out and signing Chelsea's castaways, players that can't help Chelsea anymore, how do you expect to now be better than Chelsea? You know, that that's like... If Everton, who just signed Wayne Rooney, said, oh, now that we signed Wayne Rooney, we're probably going to leapfrog Manchester United in the standings because we got this great player. No, you got a player that isn't good enough to play for one team anymore. He's not, well, he might make your team better. He's not going to make you better than the team that he just left. And then the other problem is uh, Marouane Fellaini had his name floated out in the transfer rumors after Modic signed because... You know, why should he be on the field anymore? We have Carrick, we have Pogba, we have Ander Herrera, and now we have Nemanja Matic. We have Jesse Lingard, we have Scott McTominay. But no, Jose Mourinho says, it actually would be easier for Galatasaray to get me than it would be for them to get Fellaini. Why? Why? Like, there is no reason Fellaini should ever be on the field. And the last thing is, is why I can't deem Manchester United the title contender, and I'm sure we'll get into this more next week. Jose Mourinho has, in the preseason, been going out with a back three and playing two guys up top, which is fantastic. The problem is he's, he's playing Romelu Lukaku next to either Henrik Mkhitaryan or Jesse Lingard, have been playing in that second central role. Why? You have Marcus Rashford. Like, why banish him to the left when he makes the perfect comparison, he makes the perfect compliment to Romelu Lukaku? Like, somehow I'm amazed that Jose Mourinho has had the success that he has had. Um, that's all for that. Congratulations on another trophy, Elliot. I can't wait for Arsenal fans to be 
flying off the trees when they open up the season with a Community Shield win, and then they win six out of their first seven to open the season, and you guys think you're going to win the league again. Uh, season's here. Season's almost here. I'm excited. Let's do this. Okay, so that was Paulie's hot take, mobile hot take from inside his vehicle, I'm assuming somewhere on Manhattan, maybe in New Jersey. I don't know. Sounded like it was raining a little, maybe. Uh, so, Elliot, as an Arsenal fan, he's taking a dig at Arsenal for the Emirates Cup, uh, which I mean, is which is something that he you know likes to do. And then he also say that you know he also said that he hopes that you win, you know, six out of seven first first games here. You know, so get the hopes up, and you think that you're gonna be contending for the for the Premier League trophy and all that goodness. So he's there's a lot there's, there's a lot of hate. I can't wait until Arsenal win five of their first seven games, and then we do contend for the trophy while United don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I mean I'm I'm really confident in this Arsenal squad. As, assuming that that Wenger doesn't put his tail between his legs at the last minute and cave and sell Sanchez. Yeah. Which I really don't think he's going to do actually. Uh, but this I mean this is a a dangerous looking squad, and I'm not going to say that I have complete faith in Lacazette being able to improve on his numbers from league on in the premier league because it's improved competition mm-hmm. but it's also improved delivery and you know what great i paulie i agree with you i hope we win those first six out of seven games how do you think it would uh they would stack up if they would be able to add riyad morris to the mix because i mean that's that's been the the two main lines here it's you know, we know that morris wants to leave leicester and the two clubs that he's been most heavily linked to are Arsenal and Roma. Yeah, I mean, he he would be a fantastic addition. And honestly, I would rather take him than Thomas Lamar. I mean, you know, Lamar is a, a great player, but he hasn't played in the Premier League before. And if we can spend half as much to get Riyad Mahrez, he's still a fantastic Premier League quality winger. You know, and he adds something to the squad, to be sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'm. There's kind of a somewhere between a cautious optimism at the best of times and uh, self-hating neo-stoic pessimism at the worst among most Arsenal supporters. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm excited about this season. You know, and I think that it's partially like. We don't have the burden of Champions League football. Yeah, we have to play in the poison chalice of the Europa League, but if the League Cup has shown us anything, I think that Wenger will be totally willing to just kind of, you know, bleed his young guns in those games. And if it ends up that we're in a united position, that we have a chance to win the tournament in order to get into the Champions League, mm-hmm. then he'll get serious about yeah. it. But I'm, I am, ex- you know, Paulie can say what he wants. The Emirates Cup fine whatever i'll take it i don't really care about it you yeah. know it's, do, do I don't you think con- that it or even the community shield means much but yeah. i'm excited about this season yeah i was, I was just going to say that do you consider the community shield a proper trophy or no i mean i want to say yes because the only time that i've seen arsenal lift a trophy was at wembley for the community shield over manchester city a few years ago mm. Uh, so I, from a personally like a totally selfish point of view i want to say yes but realistically no it's it's not a real trophy i mean it is the most prestigious of the preseason trophies 
which is damning with faint praise by definition. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when even when the FA says that Koscielny is not going to be suspended for the game. Yeah, I read that, you know, that says... And that, I think all Arsenal supporters are like, dang it, we really wanted him to be suspended for the community issue. Exactly. So, yeah, that takes place on Sunday at Wembley between Chelsea and Arsenal as the reigning league champions take on the FA Cup champions. Um and how do you think it's going to shake out? I mean, we don't have, like we said, we're, we don't really consider this a proper trophy, so we're not going to spend too much time on it. But I mean, it's, it's hard to say. And honestly, it reminds me of, um, of that Manchester City uh, match in which Arsenal were slight underdogs. I think Arsenal were probably heavier underdogs against Chelsea this season. Mm-hmm. But they, they wiped the floor with Manchester City. But... Does it mean all that much in the coming season? No, it really doesn't. You know, like, and I, I expect Chelsea will be Chelsea will be worth worthy favorites in the match, but it's yeah. I it I'll I would equate it to when Arsenal met Tottenham in the League Cup a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and. On the one hand, it's two arch rivals, so they're going to play a stronger squad than they would in the match otherwise. But on the other, it's not the most illustrious game. You have other very important matches coming up quickly on the heels of it. So it'll be a, a stronger squad than, I don't know, if Arsenal you know, had won the league and they were playing, say, West Ham, who had won the FA Cup. Yeah. But I, it's just... It's kind of a it's a really interesting throwaway match, and you get to watch your team lift a trophy at the end of it if you win. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean a ton. Yeah, and then Paulie's other part was about Nemanja Matic and Manchester United, and you know he was taking a dig at uh, Jose Mourinho for saying that they're a t- you know they're a title contender now with Matic in, and you know he's pretty harsh in his critique of Matic saying that he's not the same player as he was two years ago. I still think Matic is going to be a perfect fit in United. He's he is the type of player that they've been lacking for you know quite some time actually. He's playing with that fire in his belly and I, I really like and appreciate what he brings to the table. Yeah it still sucks that for some unknown reason Marwan Fellini is still this you know, important part in Mourinho's plans, and I don't understand why, and nobody understands why. And saying that you know Galatasaray has a bigger chance at signing him than than Fellaini, it's just absurd. I mean, just get rid of him. He sucks. He's not good at anything. I don't understand this. So I don't think that it's that he's not well. He's not great at much. No, he's a liability. That's a, he's a liability when he's on the field. I I really don't like that that Mourinho has this good eye to Fellini, and I just it boggles my mind why he's such such a yeah. given name on the team sheet. But I mean, he's he's the kind of player that I think would be a fantastic addition to MLS, to be honest, because he would then suddenly be a big fish in a small pond, and I think that his like the qualities that he has that are B minus in the Premier League would be much better in the MLS. Yeah. But yeah, I mean when when you're in a 
historic and supposedly title contending side in the greatest league in the world, then he's always going to come second best, if not fourth. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think, I mean, especially with the moves of bringing in Lindelof and bringing in Lukaku, I do think that Manchester United are going to be able to be a legit title contender this season. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to win. Yeah. But I definitely, I definitely feel like they're going to be in the mix. Yeah, and I I don't know. I would be shocked if United if neither United nor Arsenal were in title contention in January or maybe even late February. I would not be shocked if they were both essentially, you know, afterthoughts come April. Yeah. But but I mean they're both strong squads. I yeah, they are. And I mean, it's it's hard to say too. I mean, yeah, everybody's it's easy to say, "Oh, Chelsea," but at the same time, it is so difficult to win back-to-back years. So yeah. difficult. Uh, I mean, gonna... I think I think for me, just the last thought on United. I think mm-hmm. that the the key is going to be can Mourinho set it up such that and can the players themselves find a way to make it work with both Marcus Rashford and Romelu Lukaku playing together up front. Because if that partnership can flourish, then, you know, you have one of the most promising goal scorers in the last, you know, since Wayne Rooney for England. mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, you have a tried and true proven premier league quality, big target striker. Yeah. And I think if those two can learn to play off one another, then United are going to have one of the most dangerous attacks in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a matter of Mourinho giving them the chance. That, that's that been the problem that they haven't played together. Uh, we're going to wrap things up with our final thought. Um, I'm going to go first. And Elliot, do you know how starved I am to watch some soccer? <laughs> I imagine quite starved. I am going to watch Aston Villa play Hull City. The championship kicked off today. Unfortunately, I was unable to get a TV as Nottingham Forest defeated Millwall 1-0 and Sunderland played 1-1 against Derby. But damn it, tomorrow I'll be there in front of my TV and watch Aston Villa play Hull City. I I hear you, man. Yeah, (laughs) I'll see John Terry's debut. His professional debut for Aston Villa. Yeah, well, that'll be something. Yep. So that's my final thought. I'm, I'm just going to share that that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. And probably go to the zoo. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Got to see Fiona. You know, she's a superstar. The little baby hippo. Oh, I'm, I'm not up on the hippo stars. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, my final thought is going to be pretty quick. It's about the U.S. women's national team. Um, and they've had a kind of a surprisingly tumultuous off-season this year. I mean, you know, off-season. It's always a little bit the off-season when you're exactly at the midpoint between World Cups. But they they lost to Australia 1-0 in a frustrating match for the first time in their history. Um, and then they had an extremely, like one of the most dramatic football matches that I've ever seen recently in which they came back against Brazil from three, one down to win four to three. And then most recently against their arch rival, they just, they dominated Japan three to nothing. 
but I think that this is this to me illustrates the the huge gulf in quality compared to you know the field internationally between the women's and the men's international team and that you know the women's team has a dip in form that it's like oh we lost to this team for the first time ever like we were down three to one against yeah a perennial contender but not a powerhouse in the level of uh u.s japan france and yet then they immediately and quickly turned it around and i think that you know, Jill Ellis deserves some credit, and certainly the players deserve a lot of credit. But it was, it was the kind of moment that I think that the microscope on the men's team is, you know, I mean, this is just kind of the nature of the gender disparity in sports more broadly, but much more focused than the women's team. But like, you know, the loss to Australia, that would have been, oh my gosh, like, is is Jill Ellis really the woman for the job? And yet they very quickly turned it around, and they're once again back back on track so i'm uh, i'm excited to see what they can do in the next couple of years it's been they they had a really disappointing showing at the olympics obviously but this is still a team that has both fantastic veteran quality and really young you know youth promise in mallory Pugh, among others so mm-hmm. uh, i it's anyone who is a fan of football soccer in the united states who doesn't watch the women's national team i tell you what if you have even the slightest bit of patriotism then you're missing out yeah well there you go that's gonna wrap things up for this episode as always you can follow us on twitter i am seb norin paulie is peak with wfan and elliot is keats was better so until then enjoy the weekend make sure to catch that community shield game and we'll talk to you again early next week Bye-bye. Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.